7. And crave it keenly whenever they stop it. The only thing that stands out clearly about smoking is that while it does no good, and does not even give one definite and uniform kind of pleasure, it does form a powerful and overmastering habit, which is exceedingly difficult to break, and develops a craving which can be satisfied only by continuing, or returning, to it. It is very difficult to break the habit of smoking, as a matter of practical experience. Not one smoker in fifty who tries to swear off ever succeeds in doing so permanently. Why then should anyone form a habit, which is of no benefit whatever, which is expensive, and pleasant to others, and which may become exceedingly injurious, simply for the sake of saddling oneself with a craving which will probably never be got rid of all the rest of one's life? The strongest and most positive thing that a smoker can say about his pipe, or cigar, or cigarette, is that he could not get along without it, and he will usually add that he wishes he had never begun to use it. You are better off in every way by letting tobacco strictly alone, and never teaching yourself to like it. Tobacco is not a natural taste, as might be expected. In the case of such an utterly useless drug, we have no natural liking or instinct for it, and the taste for it has to be acquired just as in the case of alcohol, only as a rule with greater difficulty and with more painful experiences of headache, nausea, and other discomforts. Illustration A Board of Health Examination for Working Papers The Board of Health of the City of New York requires that all children between the ages of 14 and 16 shall have certificates of good health before they can be employed in business. Any employer who hires a child without such a certificate is liable to a heavy fine. This law is to protect the health of both the worker and the public. Nicotine, a powerful poison. Tobacco contains and depends largely for its effects upon considerable amounts of a substance called nicotine. This is a powerful poison, even in very small doses, with only feeble narcotic, or pain deadening, powers, but fortunately, the larger part of it is destroyed in the process of burning, enough, however, is carried over in the smoke, or absorbed through the butt of the cigar or cigarette, or the mouthpiece of the pipe, to injure the nervous system, especially in youth, as will be seen in the chapter upon the care of the heart, it especially attacks the nerves supplying the heart and is thus most harmful to growing boys, on account of its injurious effects upon the nerves of the heart. Smoking has long been forbidden by trainers and coaches to all athletes who are training for a contest or race. In addition to its poisonous effects upon the nervous system, tobacco also does great harm to boys and young men by providing them with an attractive means of filling up their time and keeping themselves amused without either bodily or mental effort. The boy who smokes habitually will find it much easier to waste his time in daydreams and gossip, and tends to become a loafer and an idler. The advantage that non-smokers have over smokers, when both of these influences are taken together, it is little wonder that the investigations of Dr. Seffer, the medical director of Yale, show that out of the 187 men in the class of 1881, those not using tobacco during their college course had gained, over the users of tobacco. 22% in weight, 29% in height, 19% in growth of chest, and 66% in increase of lung capacity. Illustration, a test of clear head and steady nerves. The boy who smokes cigarettes finds it increasingly difficult to obtain a position in a bank or other large commercial house. In the Amherst graduating class for the same year, the non-users of tobacco had gained 24% more in weight, 37% more in height and 42% more in growth of chest than had the smokers. In lung capacity, the tobacco users had lost 2 cubic inches, 
while the abstainers had gained six cubic inches, as a wet blanket upon ambition, a drag upon development, and a handicap upon success in life. The cigarette has few equals and no superiors. The stained fingers and sallow complexion of the youthful cigarette smoker will generally result in his being rejected when applying for a position. The employer knows that the non-smoking boy is much more likely to succeed in his work and win his way to a position of trust and influence than is the cigarette fiend, especially in these days of sharp competition. No boy can afford to contract a habit which will so handicap him in making his way as will the cigarette habit. Chapters I The heart pump and its pipeline system The blood vessels where the body does its real eating. When once the food has been dissolved in the food tube and absorbed by the cells of its walls, the next problem is how it shall be sent all over the body to supply the different parts that are hungry for it, for we must remember that the real eating of the food is done by the billions upon billions of tiny living cells of which the body is made up. The pipelines of the body. What do we do when we want to carry water, or oil, or sewage? quickly and surely from one place to another, we put down a pipeline. We are wonderfully proud of our systems of water and gas supply, and of the great pipelines that carry oil from wells in Ohio and Indiana clear to the Atlantic coast. But the very first man that ever laid a pipe to carry water was simply imitating nature only about 10 or 15 million years behind her. No sooner has our food passed through the cells in the wall of the food tube, than it goes straight into a set of tiny tubes the blood pipes or blood vessels which carry it to the heart, and the heart pumps it all over the body, veins and arteries. These blood tubes running from the walls of the food tube to the heart are called veins, and the other tubes through which the heart pumps the blood all over the body are called arteries. If you will spell this last word, arteries, it may help you to remember why the name was given to these tubes ages ago, when the body was examined after death. They were found to be empty and hence were not unnaturally supposed to carry air throughout the body and arteries they have remained ever since while absurd in one way the name is not so far amiss in another for an important part of their work is to carry all over the body swarms of tiny baskets or sponges of oxygen taken from the air why the blood is red the first and main purpose of the blood pipes and the heart is to carry the dissolved food from the stomach and intestines to the cells all over the body but the cells need air as well as food and to carry this there are little basket cells the red corpuscles. Take a drop of blood and put it under a microscope, and you will see what they look like. The field will be simply crowded with tiny, rounded lozenges the red cells of the blood, which give it its well-known color. The white corpuscles or scavengers of the blood, as the blood tubes are not only supply pipes but sewers and drainage canals as well. It is a good thing to have some kind of tiny animals living and moving about in them which can act as scavengers and eat up some of the waste and scraps, and hence your microscope will show you another kind of little blood corpuscle, known, from the fact that it is not colored, as the white corpuscle. These corpuscles are little cells of the body, which in shape and behavior are almost exactly like an amoeba tiny bug, seen only under the microscope, that lives in ditch water. Under the microscope the white corpuscles look like little round discs, about one-third larger than the red corpuscles and with a large kernel, or nucleus, in their center, they have the same power of changing their shape, of surrounding and swallowing scraps of food, as has the amoeba, and are a combination of scavengers and sanitary police, when disease germs get into the blood, they attack and endeavor to eat and digest them, and whenever inflammation, or trouble of any sort, begins in any part of the body, they hurry to the scene in thousands, 
clog the blood tubes and squeeze their way out through the walls of the smallest blood tubes to attack the invaders or repair the damage. This causes the well-known swelling and reddening which accompanies inflammation. Blood, then, is a sticky red fluid, two-thirds of which is food soup, and the other third, corpuscles. How tiny the blood corpuscles are, may be guessed from the fact that there are about 5.000.000 red cells and 10.000 white cells in every cubic centimeter 15 drops of our blood. How the blood circulates through the body. Now let us see how some portion of the body say the right thumb, gets its share of food and of oxygen through the blood, we will start at the very beginning, the food, of course, is put into the mouth, chewed by the teeth, and softened and digested in the stomach and intestines, it is then taken up by the cells of the mucous coat of the intestines and passed into the network of tiny blood pipes surrounding them, between the lining of the bowels and their muscular coat, these tiny blood pipes, called capillaries, run together to form larger pipes the small veins, and the small veins from the walls of the intestine and stomach finally run together into a one large pipe, or trunk line called the portal vein, which carries them to the liver, illustration, diagram of the circulatory system all details are omitted, the connection between arteries and veins is shown only in the brain, both heart and blood vessels are considerably enlarged to show clearly the course of the blood, in passing through the liver, the blood is purified of some irritating substances picked up from the food tube, and the melted food which it contains is further prepared for the use of the cells of the body. The portal vein of the liver breaks up into a network of veins, and these again break up into a number of tiny capillaries, in which the blood is acted upon by the cells of the liver. These capillaries gather together again to form veins, and finally unite into two large veins at the back of the liver which run directly into the great trunk pipe of all the veins of the body the vena cava or empty vein, so called because it is always found empty after death, about an inch from where this opens into the right side of the heart, in the vena cava the blood from the food tube, rich in food, but poor in oxygen, mixes with the impure, or used up, blood brought back by the veins from all over the body and, passing into the right side of the heart, is pumped by the heart through a large blood pipe to the lungs, this large blood pipe divides into two branches, one for each line, and these again break up into smaller branches, and finally into tiny capillaries, which are looped about in fine meshes, or networks, around the air cells of the line. Here, through the thin and delicate walls of the capillaries the blood cells give off, or breathe out, their carbon dioxide and other waste gases which are passed out with our outgoing breath and at the same time they breathe in oxygen which our incoming breath has drawn into the lungs. This oxygen is picked up by, and combines with, the red coloring matter of the millions of little oxygen sponges, or baskets the red corpuscles and turns them a light red color, causing the blood to become bright red, such as runs in the arteries and is known as arterial blood. The loops of tiny capillaries around the air cells of the lungs run together again to form larger pipes, and these unite at the point of each lung nearest the heart, to form two large blood pipes one from each lung which pour the rich, pure blood, loaded with both food and oxygen into the left side of the heart, the left side of the heart pumps this blood out into the great main delivery pipe for pure blood, known as the aorta, and this begins to give off branches to the different parts of the body, within a few inches of where it leaves the heart, illustration, surface veins and deep-lying arteries of inner side of right arm and hand the deep-lying veins that run parallel to the arteries have been omitted, so have the veins of three of the fingers, one of the first of these branches to be given off by the aorta is a large blood pipe, or artery, 
to supply the shoulder and arm, this artery runs across the chest, thence across the armpit, and down the arm to the elbow, here it divides into two branches, one to supply the right, and the other the left, side of the forearm and hand, these branches have by this time got down to about the size of a wheat straw, the one supplying the right side is the artery which we feel throbbing in the wrist, and which we use in counting the pulse, from it run off smaller branches to supply the thumb and fingers, these branches break up again into still smaller branches, and they into a multitude of tiny capillaries, which run in every direction among all the muscle cells, delivering the food and oxygen at their very doors, as it were, the muscle cells eagerly suck out the foodstuffs, and breathe in the oxygen of the blood, at the same time, they pour into it their waste stuffs of all sorts, including carbon dioxide, these rob the blood of its bright red oxygen color and turn it a dirty purplish, or bluish, tint, the loops of capillaries again run together, as they did in the liver and in the lung, to form tiny veins, and these run together at the base of the thumb and in the wrist, to form larger ones through which the now poor and dirty blood is carried back up the arm over much the same course as it took in coming down it, indeed, the veins usually run parallel with, and often directly alongside of, the arteries, the blood passes through the armpit, across the chest, into the great main pipe for impure blood, the vena cava, and through this into the right side of the heart, where it again meets the rich, but waste-laden blood from the food tube and liver, and starts on its circuit through the lungs and around the body again, the blood reaches every portion of our body in precisely the same manner, only taking a different branch of the great pure blood delivery pipe, the aorta, according to the part of the body which it is to reach, and coming back by a different vein pipe, why the arteries are more deeply placed than the veins, in the limbs and over the surface of the body generally, the arteries are more deeply placed than the veins, so as to protect them from injury, because the blood in the arteries is driven at much higher pressure than in the veins and spurts out with dangerous rapidity, if they are cut, some of the veins, indeed, run quite a little distance away from any artery and quite close to the surface of the body, so that you can see them as bluish streaks showing through the skin, particularly upon the front and inner side of the arms, the capillaries, of course, the blood pipes into which the food is sucked through the walls of the food tube, and those in the lung, through which the oxygen is breathed, as well as those in the thumb through which food is taken to the muscle cells, have the tiniest and thinnest walls imaginable, for once, the name given them by the wise men capillaries from the Latin capilla, a little hair fits them beautifully, except that the hairs in this case are hollow, and about one twentieth of the size of the finest hair you can see with the naked eye. So tiny are they that they compare with the big veins near the heart into which they finally empty much as the smallest and slenderest twigs of an elm do with its trunk. What they lack in size, however, they more than make up in numbers, and a network of them as fine and close as the most delicate gauze goes completely around the food tube between its mucus lining and muscular coat. Though thickest and most abundant on the inner and outer surfaces of the body, every particle of the body substance is shot through and through with a network of these tiny tubes. So close and fine is this network in the skin, for instance, that, as you can readily prove, it is impossible to thrust the point of the finest needle through the skin without piercing one of them and drawing blood, as we say, or making it bleed, from this network of tiny, thin-walled tubes, the body cells draw their food from the blood, the meaning of good color, it is the red blood in this spongy network of tiny vessels that gives a pink coloring to our lips and the flush of health to our cheeks. Whenever for any reason the blood is less richly supplied with food or oxygen, 
or more loaded with, smoke, and other body dirt than it should be. We lose this good color and become pale or sallow. If we will remember that our hearts, our livers, our brains, and our stomachs, are at the same time often equally pale and sallow that island badly supplied with blood as our complexions, we can readily understand why it is that we are likely to have poor appetites, poor memories, bad tastes in our mouths, and are easily tired whenever, as we say, our blood is out of order, the blood is the life, starve or poison that, and you starve or poison every bit of living stuff in the body, the heart structure and action of the heart, now what is it that keeps the blood whirling round and round the body in this wonderful way, it is done by a central pump or more correctly, a little explosive engine, with thick muscular walls, called the heart, which everyone knows how to find by putting the hand upon the left side of the chest and feeling it beat. The heart is really a bulb, or pouch, which has ballooned out from the central feed pipe of the blood supply system, somewhat in the same way that the stomach has ballooned out from the food tube. The walls of this pouch, or bulb, are formed of a thick layer of very elastic and powerful muscles almost as thick as the palm of your hand. When the great vein trunk has poured blood into this pouch until it is swollen full and tight, these muscles in its wall shut down sharply and squirt or squeeze the blood in the heart pouch into the great artery pipe. The aorta, in fact, you can get a very fair, but rough, idea of the way in which the heart acts by putting your half-closed hand down into a bowl of water and then suddenly squeezing it till it is shut tight, driving the water out of the hollow of your hand in a jet, or squirt. But, some of you will ask at once, what is to prevent the blood in the heart, when the muscle wall squeezes down upon it? from shooting backward into the vena cava, instead of forward into the aorta, nature thought of that long ago, and ingeniously but very simply guarded against it by causing two little folds of the lining of the blood pipes to stick up both where the vena cava enters the heart and where the aorta leaves it, so as to form little flaps which act as valves, these valves allow the blood to flow forward, but snap together and close the opening as soon as it tries to flow backward, while largest and best developed in the heart, these valves are found at intervals of an inch or two all through the veins in most parts of the body, allowing the blood to flow freely toward the heart, but preventing it from flowing back, as the heart has to pump all the blood in the body twice, once around and through the lungs, and once around and through the whole of the body, it has become divided into two halves, a right half, which pumps the blood through the lungs and is slightly the smaller and the thinner walled of the two, and a left half, which pumps the purified blood, after it has come back from the lungs, all over the rest of the body. Illustration, the exterior of the heart showing the strands of muscle that compose it, the arteries and veins that feed and drain the muscle coat, and fat protecting these. Each half, or side, of the heart has again divided itself into a receiving cavity, or pouch, known as the auricle, and a pumping or delivering pouch, known as the ventricle and another set of valves has grown up between the auricle and the ventricle on each side of the heart. These valves have become very strong and tough, and are tied back in a curious and ingenious manner by tough little guy ropes of tendon, or fibrous tissues, such as you can see quite plainly in the heart of an ox. It is important for you to remember this much about them, because, as we shall see in the next chapter, these valves are one of the parts of the heart most likely to wear out, or become diseased. Illustration, diagram of valves in the veins and heart in the blood flows forward naturally, in and is shown what would happen were the blood to reverse its course, as it does when it meets an obstruction, the pockets would fill until they met and close the passageway, heartbeat and pulse, 
the heart fills and empties itself about 80 times a minute, varying from 120 times for a baby, and 90 for a child of 7, to 80 for a woman, and 72 for a full-grown man. When the walls of the ventricle squeeze down to drive out their blood into the lungs and around the body, like all other muscles they harden as they contract and thump the point lower end, or apex, of the heart against the wall of the chest, thus making what is known as the beat of the heart, which you can readily feel by laying your hand upon the left side of your chest, especially after you have been running or going quickly upstairs, as each time the heart beats, it throws out half a teacup full of blood into the aorta, this jet sends a wave of swelling down the arteries all over the body, which can be felt clearly as far away as the small arteries of the wrist and the ankle, this wave of swelling, which, of course, occurs as often as the heart beats, is called the pulse, and we, take, it, or count and feel its force and fullness, to estimate how fast the heart is beating and how well it is doing its work, we generally use an artery in the wrist radial for this purpose because it is one of the largest arteries in the body which run close to the surface and can be easily reached, summary of the circulation of the blood, we will now sum up, and put together in their order, the different things we have learned about the circulation of the blood through the body, illustration, the blood route through the heart RA right auricle, LA left auricle, RV right ventricle, LV left ventricle, aorta, PA pulmonary artery, PB pulmonary veins, VCS vena cava superior, VCI vena cava inferior, at the entrance to the pulmonary artery are shown two of the pockets of the valve, the third pocket having been cut away with the front side of the artery, the other blood tubes have similar valves, not shown in the diagram, starting from the great vein trunk, the vena cava, it pours into the receiving chamber, or auricle, of the right side of the heart, passes between the valves of the opening into the lower chamber, the right ventricle, when this is full, the muscles in the wall of the ventricle contract, the valve flaps fly up, and the blood is squirted out through the pulmonary artery to the lungs, here it passes through the capillaries round the air cells, loses its carbon dioxide, takes in oxygen, and is gathered up and returned through great return pipes to the receiving chamber, or auricle, of the left side of the heart, here it collects while the ventricle below is emptying itself, then pours down between the valve flaps through the opening to the left ventricle, when this is full, it contracts, the valves fly up and close the orifice, and the blood is squirted out through another valve guarded opening, into the great main artery, the aorta, this carries it, through its different branches, all over the body, where the tissues suck out their food and oxygen through the walls of the capillaries, and return it through the small veins into the large vein pipes, which again deliver it into the vena cava, and so to the right side of the heart from which we started to trace it, although the two sides of the heart are doing different work, they contract and empty themselves, and relax and fill themselves, at the same time, so that we feel only one beat of the whole heart, one of the most wonderful things about the entire system of blood tubes is the way in which each particular part and organ of the body is supplied with exactly the amount of blood it needs, if the whole body is put to a work, so that a quicker circulation of blood, with its millions of little baskets of oxygen, is needed to enable the tissues to breathe faster, the heart meets the situation by beating faster and harder, this, as you all know, you can readily cause by running, or jumping, or wrestling, chapter XII the care of the heart pump and its pipelines the effect of work upon the heart, whatever else in this body of ours may be able to take a rest at times, the heart never can, when it stops, we stop, naturally, with such a constant strain upon it, 
we should expect it to have a tendency to give way, or break down, at certain points, the real wonder is that it breaks down so seldom, it has great powers of endurance and a wonderful trick of patching up breakdowns and adjusting itself to strains, every kind of work, of course, done in the body throws more work upon the heart, when we run, or saw wood, our muscles contract, and need more food fuel to burn, and pour more waste stuff into the blood to be thrown off through the lungs, so the heart has to beat harder and faster to supply these calls, when our stomach digests food, it needs a larger supply of blood in its walls, and the heart has to pump harder to deliver this, even when we think hard or worry over something, our brain cells need more blood, and the ever-willing heart again pumps it up to them, this is the chief reason why we cannot do more than one of these things at a time to advantage, if we try to think hard, run foot races, and digest our dinner all at one and the same time, neither head, stomach, nor muscles can get the proper amount of blood that it requires, we cannot do any one of the three properly, and are likely to develop a headache, or an attack of indigestion, or a stitch in the side, and sometimes all three, so the circulation has a great deal to do with the intelligent planning and arranging of our work, our meals, and our play, if we are going to increase our endurance, we must increase the power of our heart and blood vessels, as well as that of our muscles, the real thing to be trained in the gymnasium and on the athletic field is the heart rather than the muscles, fortunately, however, the heart is itself a muscle, alive and growing, and with the same power of increasing in strength and size that any other muscle has, so that up to a proper limit, all these things which throw strain upon the heart in moderate degree, such as running, working, and thinking, are not only not harmful, but beneficial to it, increasing both its strength and its size, the heart, for instance, of a thoroughbred race horse is nearly twice the size, in proportion to his body weight, of the heart of a dray horse or cart horse, and a deer has more than twice as large a heart as a sheep of the same weight, the important thing to bear in mind in both work and play, in athletic training, and in life, is that this work must be kept easily within the powers of the heart and of the other muscles, and must be increased gradually, and never allowed to go beyond a certain point, or it becomes injurious, instead of beneficial, hurtful, instead of helpful, overwork in the shop or factory, overtraining in the gymnasium or on the athletic field, both fall first and heaviest upon the heart, importance of food, air, and exercise, at the same time, the system must be kept well supplied through the stomach with the raw material both for doing this work and for building up this new muscle, when anyone, in training for an event, gets stale, or overtrained, and loses his appetite and his sleep, he had better stop at once, for that is a sign that he is using more energy than his food is able to give him through his stomach, and the stomach has consequently gone on a strike. How to avoid heart overstrain and heart disease? The way, then, to avoid overstrain and diseases of the heart and blood vessels is, first, to take plenty of exercise, but to keep that exercise within reasonable limits, which, in childhood, ought to be determined by a school physician, and in workshops and factories by a state factory physician. Second, to take that exercise chiefly in the open air, and as much of it as possible in the form of play so that you can stop whenever you begin to feel tired or your heart throbs too hard in other words, whenever nature warns you that you are approaching the danger line. Third, to keep yourself well supplied with plenty of nutritious, wholesome, digestible food, so as to give yourself, not merely power to do the work, 
but something decides to grow on. Fourth, to avoid poisonous and hurtful things like the toxins of infectious diseases, and alcohol, tobacco, and other narcotics, which had a harmful effect upon the muscles, valves, or nerves of your heart, or the walls of your blood vessels. Fortunately, the heart is so wonderfully tough and elastic, and can repair itself so rapidly, that it usually takes at least two, and sometimes three, causes acting together, to produce serious disease or damage. For instance, while muscular overwork and overstrain alone may cause serious and even permanent damage to the heart, they most frequently do so in those who are nerfed, or badly housed, or recovering from the attack of some infectious disease. While the poisons of rheumatism and alcohol will alone cause serious damage to the valves of the heart and walls of the blood vessels, yet they again are much more liable to do so in those who are overworked, or inerfed, or overcrowded. The disease of the stiffening of the arteries, the points at which our pipeline system is most likely to give way are the valves of the heart, and, more likely still, the muscles of the heart wall and of the walls of the blood vessels. These little muscles are slowly, but steadily, changing all through life, becoming stiffer and less elastic, less alive, in fact, until finally, in old age, they become stiff and rigid, turning into a leathery, fibrous tissue, and may even become so soaked with lime salts as to become brittle, so that they may burst under some sudden strain, when this occurs in one of the arteries of the brain, it causes an attack of apoplexy, or a stroke of paralysis, overstrain, or toxins in the blood, may bring about the stiffening of the arteries too soon, and then, we say that the person is old before his time, a man is literally, as old as his arteries, the causes which will hasten the stiffening of the arteries are, first of all, prolonged overwork and overstrain, due especially to long hours, 